This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Worth talks about divorce and annulments. What's the difference? Isn't an annulment a Catholic divorce? Why can't the church allow divorce? Well, let's find out. Here's Father Joshua Worth. The church teaching on divorce is that divorce is a sin against the permanence of marriage. This isn't something that the church has come up with or people have come up with, that man has come up with. This is something that God has told us, that Jesus has told us. And we can't change that teaching. No matter how much we might want to change it, we can't change that teaching. So let's go to uh, Scripture where Jesus gives us this, this very tough, this very difficult teaching on divorce. So in Matthew chapter 19, the Pharisees asked Jesus, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause whatever? He said in reply, Have you not read that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together no human being must separate. They said to him, Then why did Moses command that the man give the woman a bill of divorce and dismiss her? He said to them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, and marries another, commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If that is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. So you can see how difficult this teaching was. Even the disciples said to him, and this is the true teaching. If this is what happens, that, that marriage is for life, that if marriage is till death to us part, then we are not taking this seriously enough. We have entered into something beyond what human beings understand, beyond what human beings have created. We have entered into the sacred. We have entered into the sacred reality, the sacrament of marriage. I've heard a lot of preachers talk about this passage, trying to find some reasons, some way to allow divorce in this world. I actually was listening to a preacher, and he said from this reading, he sees two reasons that God allows divorce. And I was kind of tearing my hair out, and my blood was boiling because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Because for, for God to allow divorce means that one day he could divorce us. Because marriage is just a reflection of his relationship with us. So if we can find a reason for divorce, then God can find a reason to divorce us as his people, which he has promised never to do, that he is faithful, always faithful. The reason people sometimes read this and they see a couple areas. One is the section where it says, unless the marriage is unlawful. Some Bibles translate that as unless the marriage is unchaste, uh, impure, unless there is unfaithfulness in the marriage or adultery in a marriage. 
what they get that from is the word there, unlawful, that, that phrase there. In the Greek, it comes from pornographia, the same term we get pornography from. So people read that incorrectly and they say, oh, unless there is sexual violation of the law. Uh, marriage is forever. Marriage is till death unless there's a sexual violation of the law. Well, no. What that really is is translated as a perversion of the law. A perversion of the law. So if that would be if a brother tries to marry a sister, if two men try to marry one another, if two women try to marry one another, if one person was already married and tried to enter into a marriage, they would do so unlawfully, and that would not be recognized as a marriage. So what Jesus is saying is this is a one-time thing. You get one chance. You pick the person you're going to marry, spend the rest of your life with, and you marry them. And there is, unless that marriage is unlawful, that it could not be uh, made to begin with, then you can never divorce that person and remarry another. And if you did, you'd be committing adultery. I even heard the same preacher say, and also uh, Moses tells them, if there's hardness of heart, then you can get a divorce. So what this preacher was saying is, if there's hardness of heart and if there's unchastity, then you can get a divorce. Well, I think that covers about every marriage, unfortunately. I think there's unchastity or hardness of heart in every marriage. And to top it all off, there has been unfaithfulness and hardness of heart in our relationship with God, yet he has not abandoned us. I heard that same preacher reference Jeremiah where the Jewish people were being enslaved into the Babylonian captivity. And he said, and it's true, God wrote in the, in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah, God said, I write out a, a decree of divorce and hand it to you. So he was saying God hates divorce, but he himself does it. No, that's not true. He handed that decree of divorce. The Jewish people were taken into Babylonian exile, but he forgot the second part. Later, God rips up that decree of divorce and brings his people back. He didn't pick another people. He didn't say, uh, now I'm going to pick the Canaanites, or now I'm going to pick the Aztecs, or now I'm going to pick whoever. He remained faithful to his covenant, remained faithful to his promises. What that was was a separation, but it was not a divorce. So there is no valid reason for divorce. There's plenty of invalid ones. There's plenty of, plenty of people, uh, reasons people come up with. But divorce is uh, what we call intrinsic evil. There's no, no reason, no valid reason, and under any circumstance, that it's allowed. And, you know, I had one young woman as I was doing marriage prep, and, and they had kind of told me, uh, you know, if... We kind of agree that, you know, if one of us messes up and one of us uh, cheats on the other one, then, you know, the marriage is over. So, I mean, that's what we'd agree. That's what we agree to. And I told them, listen, if that's your guys' agreement, that's fine, but you cannot get married because that is not one of the promises you take. You do not promise to be together until one of us cheats on each other. All right. Nobody makes that promise. Hopefully nobody makes that promise. And if they did, it's not a marriage. 
It's not because it's some hybrid, it's some Frankenstein monster of what God has given us in marriage, the sacrament of marriage. And she asked me very point blank. She was a little taken aback by this, and I told because I told her there's no there's no reason, there's no valid reason that the church, that Christ, that God accepts for a divorce. And she kind of looked at me and said, "Well, what if he beats me? Can I can I leave him then? Can I get a divorce then?" And my response was, "If that's concern, probably shouldn't get married to begin with." But even in those horrible circumstances where there's domestic abuse or perhaps the one spouse is abusing the children and you got to protect the children, okay? Then that leads to not divorce, but separation. Separation is allowed. Separation sometimes is the only option. And sometimes that separation is a permanent separation, not a divorce. Not a divorce, but a permanent separation. Divorce is a legal term that has no bearing on the eyes of God. You still still need you know, legal protection sometimes, you know, file for separate maintenance. You got to file for property rights or, or venue or something like that. But that's a legal term. But in the eyes of God, divorce has no bearing. He sees only separation. He sees marriage, separation, separation, which is permitted. And then if there's attempt at a remarriage, he sees adultery. He sees somebody breaking their promises that they made before their spouse, before their witnesses, before God and his church. That's what he sees whenever there's attempt at remarriage. He sees adultery. So separation is permitted. Adultery is not. And listen, I'm sympathetic to this. I'm sympathetic to this because my own parents are divorced. My sister is divorced. My uncle is divorced. My other uncle is divorced twice. So it's not like I don't know what's going on. It's not like I haven't seen it. It reminds me of uh, the joke that a little girl saw an Amish family riding in a horse and buggy. And she turned to her mom and said, Mom, why do they ride around in horse and buggy? Why don't they drive around in cars like everybody else? And... The mom said, that's because they don't believe in cars. And the little girl said, well, that's silly. Can't they see them? Don't they know they exist? Right? So that's kind of sometimes when I explain to people, the church doesn't believe in divorce. God doesn't believe in divorce. How can they not believe it when it's all around us? In every every situation, every family has been touched by divorce. Because that is a legal term only, but in the eyes of God, he sees only separation, which is permitted, and then anything beyond that is adultery, which is not permitted, of course. I'm very sympathetic to this, very sympathetic, and, you know, I love my parents, both of them, both my mom and my dad, and my dad did the right thing after after the divorce. He remained single. My mother did not. She remarried, or as God sees it, is in an adulterous relationship. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about divorce and annulments with Father Joshua Wirth.
We're back on Double-Edged Sword Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Divorce and Annulments with Father Joshua Wirth. In the first segment, Father Joshua described what a divorce is and what the church teaches about divorce. In the second segment, Father Joshua begins by talking about what an annulment is. And now, here's Father Joshua Wirth. Isn't annulment just a fancy Catholic word for divorce? Isn't that just a way to get around that whole God doesn't believe in divorce thing and just say, well, he doesn't believe in divorce, but he believes in annulments, which does the exact same thing. No, absolutely not, no. Annulments mean that you have separated from your spouse. Perhaps you even have legal divorce, right? And you are now going to hand over your case, your marriage case, to the church in order for them to do an investigation. And that investigation is going to conclude and judge definitively whether or not you ever had a valid marriage. Whether you ever had a valid valid marriage to begin with. Some people enter into invalid marriages that are never going to work because they, they changed the definition of marriage in their own mind to mean whatever they wanted it to be. And it wasn't God's sacrament of marriage that they entered into. It was something else, something, their own tower of Babel, their own house built on the sand. And the first wave that came up washed them away. The for, first storm that blew in knocked it over because they base it on their definition of marriage. They might have used the term marriage, and people might have thought from the outside they looked like they were married, but deep down, God knew, that's not my sacrament of marriage that they entered into. They changed the definition. They changed the definition. So what it is for a Catholic is that you separate, and you might even make the legal decision to divorce which is saying, I had my shot. I had my shot at being married, and it didn't work out. And now I'm going to take my marriage case, and I'm going to write it all out. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to write down everything I know about my marriage from beginning to end, and I'm going to hand it over to the church, and I'm going to say, what is this thing? Is it a marriage? Was it a marriage? Does it continue to be a marriage? Or was it never a marriage to begin with? What is this thing? You know, a lot of people are upset about this. A lot of people think, well, why doesn't the church just believe me? Why doesn't the church just believe believe what's going on? The problem is the church does believe you. It believes you when you got up before God and his church and his witnesses and you said, till death do us part. That's what the church believes. And now you're asking us not to believe that, but believe this. Instead, we can't. We can't because of what Jesus taught us. Even if we wanted to, we can't because of what Jesus taught us. So, for the Catholic caught up in this situation, they must separate, a permanent separation perhaps, legal divorce perhaps, and then they write it all down. It, and it ta- it's a difficult process to do. I know I ran into one lady at uh, 
the hospital and I asked her, you know, what parish she was in. And she said, you know, she didn't go to church anymore because she was divorced and remarried. As God saw it, she was divorced and in an adulterous relationship. And she didn't go to church anymore. And asked her, have you ever considered talking to a priest and getting and turning it over to the church and seeing if you have a case for annulment? And she said, no, oh, no, Father, I can't do that. I got kids. And I don't want to make my kids illegitimate by finding that my whole first marriage was invalid. And I said to her, hey, did you know my parents are divorced? And, in fact, my dad did receive an annulment that he was never validly married. So, I, you know... I've been called a son of a gun before. I didn't use that word. I used another word. But I've been called a son of a gun before, but I've never been called illegitimate. I didn't use illegitimate either. I said something else. So, you know, I, I was using that as a little joke, just kind of break the ice. It's like, listen, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. We've never said that annulment uh, makes children illegitimate. If, if so, I'd be an illegitimate priest. I'm not, okay? So one thing we put up, in order to not go close to this. And that lady was getting heart surgery. And I said to her, I know it's difficult. It's as difficult as getting heart surgery, okay? But it's necessary too. Just like heart surgery, it's gonna take some time, maybe a, a lot of time. Usually it's a year from when you get back to paperwork, but the paperwork is what usually takes the longest time. It took my dad 10 years to fill out the paperwork. It's painful, just like heart surgery, okay? And it even costs just a little bit of money, nowhere near what what heart surgery costs. But some people, believe me, you're going to spend a lot more money on a divorce lawyer than you are for an annulment investigation, okay? But that's it. it. But it brings healing. It brings healing. It's painful. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a little bit of money. But it, just like a heart surgery, it brings healing, the problem is, if you need surgery, you hope to God it's not heart surgery, right? So nobody ever volunteers for heart surgery. The same way nobody volunteers, hey, can you investigate my failed marriage? Nobody wants to do that. It's a painful, painful process, and I've seen my own father go through that, right? But there's great healing in that, where he turned over his whole—and my, my parents were married for a long time, 25 years— almost 25 years. And, uh, you know, some people call that a successful marriage. They were married for 25 years. They would say that's a successful marriage. But to God, that is nothing more than a one night stand. Because unless you are married till death, that's a successful marriage. But if you're married for 25, 50, 60 years, it doesn't matter to God. What matters is you kept your promise just as he keeps his promises that you were married till death. Death separated you. So divorce is something that's out there. Divorce is something that it's hard to get away from. But we have to recognize that this is not what God wanted for us. And there's no excuse. Um, I often think of all the annulments that we, we receive in the Catholic Church, especially in America, and are approved. We have one of the highest annulment rates. 
What does that mean? To me, I blame only myself. I blame the priests. All right. The priests that were preparing people for marriage. And I also blame some of the judgment of my parents before they got married. Okay. My parents were hippies. They wanted to redefine marriage the way they thought. So they thought cohabitation, why not? What is that going to hurt? Contraception, why not? What's that going to hurt? And and they found a priest that was sympathetic that said, you know, let's give this a shot. And he didn't prepare them. He didn't teach them the true definition of marriage. He didn't warn them. Listen, what you want and what God's offering are two different things. What you want is not marriage. What you want is some hybrid, some Frankenstein. God has defined his sacrament of marriage. And it's committed. It's exclusive. It's fertile. It's permanent. And what you're saying is something completely different. I don't know what you're asking. He didn't say that. That priest didn't say that. He kind of rubber stamped it and said, you know, this is your day. Let's just... Let's just make this work. And, you know, from what I've heard, the, the promises were based not on the church's ritual, but on the Velveteen Rabbit. Why would you base, I don't know, hippies? That's just the way they are. And then it turns out, you know, when my dad was doing these annulment papers, he finds out that this priest left the priesthood. Of course he did. Someone who doesn't understand... Uh, Commitment for life, permanence, cannot direct other people to commitment on life, permanence. So that's why that, that all fell, fell apart. So I blame the priest's preparation. I blame my parents' judgment as well. That's why the church says, listen, we trusted your judgment. God says, I listened to your promises. I heard your promises. Now you're asking me not to listen to them? Now you're asking me to ignore I ever said those? Just forget I ever said those? No, God says. I refuse. I would refuse to ignore the promises you made before my altar, before my church, before my minister, before me. So what my dad did correctly is he said, I can no longer trust my own judgment in this. I need the judgment of somebody else. I need the judgment of the church. So when he filled out his annulment papers, he just poured his heart out on her. Just bled all over the pages. Every joy, every tear. Just gave it all up to the Lord's judgment, the church's judgment, and said, this is what it is. Now what is it? Is this a marriage? Was it never a marriage? Was it some hybrid marriage? And the church came back and said, we find that this was never a valid marriage, that this was an unlawful marriage because they changed one of the definitions. The definition they changed was fertile. My mother had said at the time they got married that she didn't want kids and she was not open to kids because she changed that one aspect. And my dad went along with it. He knew that. He agreed with that. So his poor judgment as well. Because of that one aspect, that was not a marriage. That was an unlawful marriage they ran into. But it's the same way the other aspects as well. If you went in there and said, well, I don't plan on being exclusive, and my wife knows that, that's just what we, uh, I don't plan on being committed. That's just what we agree to. Or this is going to be an open marriage. That's not a marriage. 
or if somebody like my couple before well we agree that if one of us uh, cheats on each other that it's over that's not permanent that's not a marriage that's not one of the promises you take the other things that can invalidate a marriage is if somebody is forced if somebody is forced by you know threats by you know if i I already had a kid with this lady, and it, she said, if we don't get married, you're never going to see your kid again. I'm going to run away. If, you know, there was what we call gun, gun, shotgun marriage, right? It has to be your free will. And also, it has to be with your full knowledge. And this is where a lot of people, they are entering into invalid marriages because they don't understand what they're entering into. They think they're entering into something that's open, not exclusive. They think they're opening something that's sterile, entering into something that's sterile. They think they're entering into something that, that is temporary. You know, I love you and I'll stay with you until I don't. This is the crisis of today that people don't realize. They have changed the definition of marriage. They have deformed it from God's design and they are now in an unlawful marriage. And they, are, they don't get the graces from that marriage. And they aren't able to help each other in that marriage. And even if it goes on for 25 years and it falls apart, to God, the whole thing was a mistake. Not that there wasn't good times. Not, there was, not that there wasn't great kids that might have come out of that. But to God, the whole thing was not his sacrament of marriage. If an annulment, if the church finds that in their investigation that this marriage was never valid. It's called a finding of nullity. They entered into something other than God's sacrament of marriage. And pain, painful things come out of that. So what do you do after that, though? What do you do after that? Again, you know, I explained how my dad did the right thing. My mother is still doing the wrong thing. Hopefully one day she'll do the right thing. I pray one day she'll do the right thing. But this is the road that the church and God has begged us all not to go down. And we've gone down it, and now we don't know how to get back. We don't know how to get back. And I wish people could just destroy their own lives. You know, a couple can just destroy their own. But the problem with sin is that it's infectious, right? It hurts the whole family. It hurts, and we have studies now that... If you know somebody that gets divorced, you're more likely to get divorced because now the idea is in your head and you see how to do it. One of my great role models in priesthood is actually a comic book hero, Batman, because Batman, his parents were killed by a murderer and he spends his whole life trying to prevent that tragedy from happening to anybody else. Same way, my parents, their relationship, my family was blown apart by divorce. And I'm spending my entire priesthood trying to prevent that from happening to the couples that walk into my office, wanting to prepare for marriage, especially. Some of them, I, I have told them, you are not prepared for marriage. You do not know what you are entering into. And I teach them about the true definition of marriage, God's definition of marriage, his sacrament of marriage. And I say, that is what you're entering into. Well, do you consent to that? And some of them say, yes, 
I wish we would have known that. Yes, that's beautiful. And some of them say, no, that's terrifying. Like the, like the apostles, the disciples in, in the gospel passage. It's better never to marry if that's what the sacrament is. Permanent, committed, fertile. It'd be better to live alone as Jesus did. But Jesus goes on to say in that gospel passage, not all can accept this word, but only those to whom that is granted. So that means marriage is not automatic for everybody. It's a calling to who it is granted. It is a vocation. Some are incapable of marriage because they were born so. Some because they were made so by others. Some because they have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept this ought to accept it. So there it is. Jesus is saying, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You cannot get divorced. You can separate, but if you attempt any remarriage, that is adultery. That is a sin of adultery. Because in the beginning, it was not so. God made a male and female destined for each other for permanence together. Not for a temporary arrangement. Not even for a temporary arrangement that lasts 25 years, but for permanence till death do us part. That promise. You know, I was watching uh, TV one time and, and on Larry King, they had this poor lady and they were asking this question, uh, can you be gay and Christian? And they had a couple ministers on there trying to answer this question. Can you be gay and Christian? I wanted to be on that show so I can reach over across the table and grab Larry King's suspenders and say... I'm still trying to answer the question, can you be married and remarried eight times and still be Christian? Which is, he was married at, and remarried that many times. To him, that wasn't, that wasn't even a question anymore. That wasn't even because we have excused ourselves and we have reasoned ourselves out of God's teaching on permanence of marriage. We have just said, well, t- obviously, he doesn't want us to be unhappy, so therefore, Whatever my appetite wants, my appetite gets. No. God, he takes us very seriously. He takes us very seriously. And when we get up in front of the community, in front of the church, in front of the altar, in front of the minister, in front of God himself, and say, till death do us part. He listens to that and only that. He takes us very seriously. So... If we admit that we have failed, then we must admit that it's been a failure of our own judgment, that we can't even trust our own judgment, and turn that judgment over to the church. And perhaps in the church's mercy, they will say, that was not a valid marriage, you were free to marry. Or perhaps they might say, that was a valid marriage, you are not free to marry. But either way, We get one shot. We get one shot at being married. One chance. And so serious does God take those promises that he does not allow any reason for divorce. And he asks all of us, even though it's difficult, to hold to this teaching because it is a reflection of his relationship with us. And if we say in our own marriages, we say, there are reasons for me to give up. Then God says, that is not how I treat you. I find no reason to give up on you. And I will never give up on you. So therefore, 
if marriage is a reflection of God's relationship with us, then we can never give up on each other or on our marriage and the promises we made before God, before his church, before his minister, and to each other that marriage is committed, it is fertile, and it is permanent. I want to remind everybody to pray for their priests and to support the faith wherever you find it. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Let us know what you thought of this show by going to dvmercy.com and click on the Double-Edged Sword icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. Also, if you want to inspire souls to strive for heaven, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate. Your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg and Salina, 88.1 KBDM Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Band, and very soon, 105.7 KMDG Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.